Hello everyone and welcome to Talking Jack with me, Claire, and my twin sister Megan. In today's episode we are going to be discussing the TV sitcom Friends. We're going to be looking at what made Friends so popular, um, how it redefined, um, or if it did redefine, the TV sitcom and just how it's embedded itself in popular culture and endured for all these years. Um, it's going to be hosted by myself, Claire, and although Megan is in the dark about the topic as in she hasn't researched it, we're both unashamedly diehard friends of friends, so we're both coming at this from some wealth of uh, knowledge, fan knowledge at least. Um, this episode is quite long just due to our shared love of friends, so we're going to do something unusual and we're going to have this episode split between two parts. So today's episode is part one of Friends and we're really just going to be looking at where Friends came from, the TV sitcom landscape in the 1990s, um, and in part two we're really going to be dissecting Friends' popularity and the problems with Friends. Um, with the benefit of hindsight, we can see that Friends can be quite problematic and we're going to be discussing um, this in much more detail in part two. But um, yeah, let's get into part one. Talking Jack. Dissecting the everyday. So, as we said, this episode is going to be about the American sitcom Friends, which I assume would need no introduction. I feel like whether you like or loathe Friends, you know Friends. Um, so Friends ran for 10 seasons between September 1994 and May 2004 for 10 years. Um, and it was just... A sitcom basically about five friends growing up in New York in their what early twenties, like well, all the way through early twenties, late twenties, um, and yeah, just the troubles and hardships of I, I say hardships in the six. loosest form. Sorry, sorry, six friends. Oh, did I say five? Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, I'm supposed to like friends. Six friends, of course it was. Three and three. Um, three boys, three girls. Um, Chandler, Joey, Ross, Monica, Rachel, and Phoebe. I don't know why I said that so hesitantly. I should know that like off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, it's just about them and and growing up in your twenty-somethings, figuring out life, relationships. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the premise of Friends. Nothing revolutionary. Uh, so, um, like, it's hard. It's it's funny going back to break down Friends in this sort of like day and age because, and it's hard to. It's funny to think that Friends ended way way back in two thousand and four because to me, um, Friends is everywhere. It's always it's always embedded within um, our like cultural framework. Like, it's always got reruns, whether that's on TV or whether that's streaming like Netflix have got it at the moment I think it's Netflix um and you know you see quotes all the time from it it's it's more like a sort of like cultural phenomenon rather than a, a sitcom itself um but yeah Friends basically started with 
uh, two writers called Mark Kaufman and David Crane, who they kind of like, ba- they're the show's creators. So they based the series off their own life experiences when like David and Marta lived in New York and they had six, a group of six friends who they were all like best friends. And that's where the inspiration came from. Um, and they really wanted the series to like represent what Generation X at that time would have been and explore like a new form of tribal bonding um, between well well it started sorry it, it started with that's what that's what they wanted um, is they wanted it to represent Generation X and explore a new type of tribal bonding but they really wanted they thought if they just targeted it to sort of like one generation then it wouldn't really um, endure and speak to so many people uh, they wanted a series that everybody would enjoy watching regardless of what age you are and regardless of your experiences and what generation you grew up in so yeah yeah i mean the the themes in friends are universal and you you can see that i mean whether it was meant to speak to generation x or whatever like it did speaks to a whole different a whole generations just purely because the universal themes in friends um so it was partly inspired by Cheers and another sitcom, which I've never heard of, which is called Living Single. Um, the only difference between Friends and Cheers, and I've never seen Cheers, um, was that they didn't want it to be based on one central character. They like Again, I don't know Cheers, but apparently like Cheers is based around one central character and then you follow their lives and then you're introduced to all the other characters through that one person's point of view. Um, but Friends is a series where it's a group of characters who each have like equal villain, I would say, although we we will get into it. Like I would say that Friends does have a main character um, and I would, I would say that Friends main character is Ross and I think... Megan, you might know more about this than me, but I think Ross was initially supposed to be the main character of Friends, was supposed to follow his point of view. Yeah, I can't remember and I can't cite anything, but I recall that I've heard this going around before that Ross is supposedly the main character, or it might just be fan theories that people have looked at, sort of the stories around Friends um, and you can link Ross to almost everything that's going on. So everything kind of seems to come back to him. Um, yes. Which you'll go into, but I suppose, you know, the main love story at the beginning is obviously centred around um, Ross. Um, and any of the additional characters that come in have sort of been introduced by Ross, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think of their history, like obviously Monica is Ross's sister, um, but then Chandler was his friend at university and so on. Um, yeah. so it all kind of goes back towards Ross um, but yeah also just to chip in here uh, I, I've seen Cheers Okay do you think it's got any resemblance to Friends? Yeah I mean I've not watched Tears in chronological order in its entirety but I've watched a lot of seen a lot of episodes of it um, and yeah I, I, as far as I'm aware it was based around Sam so he was like the bartender and the provider of Cheers the like bar and it was mainly around sort of like what he did and who he met. So you would get the other characters come in, like um, Diane, not Diane, sorry. Uh, you would get, um, oh, I forget their name, uh, like Carla. She was like a waitress there. And then you would get um, 
norm and coach journey and things like that they would come in and they would like sit at the bar but you wouldn't go back and see their story that you wouldn't see them outside of the bar but you would only see them in the bar whereas you would see sam out of the bar so he was sort of the central character so the only person you'd ever really see outside of cheers was sam um i see i didn't but also sorry just i just find this quite interesting but uh fraser then came from Cheers, because Fraser was in Cheers. Yes, I knew that. I didn't. I only found out recently that Fraser was a spin-off from Cheers, but I also didn't realise in Cheers that Cheers was the name of the bar. I didn't know that. So, and and I guess that's another similarity with Friends, although Friends, like you say, does differ. It is centred around, I suppose, Central Park, which is a coffee house in Friends. So that's kind of where you'll see. I wouldn't say primarily that's where you see all the action, but a lot of it is centred around them in Central Park. Um, if you did want to have like one sort of like main location, but again, differently to Cheers, you see all of them in different locations, and a lot of it's like their apartments. So, um, yeah, interesting because I didn't really know that about Cheers. I that's a like point to make about Friends, and maybe I agree with you that it's not like revolutionary in terms of it being about these sort of kind of young people who just are navigating working being in relationships things like that not necessarily like a novel idea but I suppose the distinction is that it um sort of they've all got kind of equal billing if you like so you know Joey I know you're going to go into it but like Joey's an actor you'll see Joey maybe at work and it's only him you're following or like going for auditions or you'll see Phoebe at work as a a masseuse or you'll see Monica in her work as a chef um, and so on Uh, or you'll see Ross sort of interacting with like his ex-wife and his family and so you know they each kind of get like their own sort of spotlight um, unlike other series like we're talking about with Cheers where it's very much you've got minor characters even though they're central they're kind of always undershadowed by this main central character mm-hmm. yeah um and then just while it's really kind of sort of the birth of friends and the landscape of sitcoms and friends sort of came out you can't really talk about friends without talking about Seinfeld is it so I don't know if I'm saying Seinfeld right is it, I think it's Seinfeld um but yeah, so like one of the, like the most popular American sitcoms of the 90s um, obviously was Friends, but it was Seinfeld. And Seinfeld and Friends always had this rivalry against each other because they came out around about the same time and they followed the same sort of stories and um, similar formats. Um, it was always heavily compared to Seinfeld. Um and when Friends sort of first came out in its, in its first series, um, the reviews for Friends were quite unfavourable just because a lot of people compared it to Seinfeld. Like the plain dealer um, wrote the, this was when Friends first aired, that it vaguely and less successfully, um, oh, it traded vaguely and less successfully on the hanging out style of Seinfeld. Um, and then Anne Hodges of the Houston Chronicle called it the new Seinfeld wannabe, but it will never be as funny as Seinfeld. Um, and I think the thing with this is, is if you, especially if you want to put it like sitcoms on and of themselves, and I'm going to go into look at like actual sitcoms in a second, but they are quite a lowbrow form of um, entertainment genre. So 
it's hard when you're then comparing two kind of lowbrow genres and then trying to like see which one was more superior. But if you were going to, I would say that Seinfeld was always viewed as the more highbrow and Friends was viewed as much more lowbrow because Seinfeld was always more seen as more like intellectual and postmodern and almost kind of like artsy in its approach to comedy. And it was quite self, self-referential if that's the word like it was self-aware of what it was trying to say it also never tried to like pretend that like the characters were like good people whereas in friends they do it's much more unrealistic friends it's much more like they live in this sort of like when I say fantasy I don't mean like fantastical I just mean fantasy as in like it's not based on realism um because friends was always a bit more like light-hearted um although at the base all both of these programs were about friends navigating um life in New York City in the 90s in the 20s um Seinfeld did always kind of like come out on top it was always um Seinfeld has always like been placed as like one of the most like important genre redefining shows ever um you know it's credited with like changing sitcoms um how sitcoms were written and filmed um and it was probably like earlier than friends it was like a pillar of like modern pop culture you know how we've like i've kind of briefly talked about how friends has sort of entered a popular culture um at the time seinfeld was was doing that like you know loads of people would would know Seinfeld and quote Seinfeld and all of that whatever you do when something enters um pop culture um but yeah um like friends kind of did um bring like although I'm saying like it, it didn't really do anything new it didn't the, the format and especially off the back of like Seinfeld it wasn't really anything new in fact it's sort of like didn't really compare but it did bring like new elements into the world of like sitcoms and it was really just because it was character driven like that's that's why you watch Friends it's for the characters um because they were like so likable and then because they were so likable they were like so popular um and they defined a whole generation and then a whole generation of television fans who wanted to be just like them who saw themselves in these characters even though like I've said they were quite unrealistic and I will come to that later um but yeah it just it just never really um compared to like Seinfeld and I just wanted to like show like the ratings I mean there's there's really not much in it to be honest but like Screen Crash said that like Friends over its entire run its original run um averaged 23.6 million viewers and Seinfeld's was 26.6 million so there's not much in it at all but you can see that on like Seinfeld sort of like came up on top um I don't know if you've ever seen um Seinfeld Megan have you? Yes, I have. Well, I started watching it um a while ago. So I've what seen, what like, did you think half of, it? of the first season? Um, yeah, again, it's hard. It's the same as when you watch anything um that is that you've heard a lot about in popular culture, because when you watch it in hindsight, it's really difficult to sort of appreciate the novelty or the ingenuity of it at the time. Um, so when I watch Seinfeld now I'm just like I don't get I sort of half like I don't get what the big deal is because there's so many sitcoms who that are like it it's just like another sort of 
friends to me or Frasier or whatever. I'm like, what is, why is this like revered as being like so amazing? But I guess you need to appreciate it for what it was, as you were saying at its time, like it was kind of like one of the first to do what it's doing. Um, and I also think that part of Seinfeld was the fact that it kind of in a way sort of broke the fourth wall in a more postmodern way like you're saying as opposed to Friends because Friends is more fictionalized whereas Seinfeld is about Jerry Seinfeld playing Jerry Seinfeld like the actor is playing the character he's playing himself so like the actor Jerry Seinfeld is a comedian and that's who he's being he's being a fictionalized version of himself and it's based on his own life so there's there's that element of it and also um it broke the fourth wall as well in a lot of ter- in a lot of ways because it referenced um things that you know how like I I don't know if America's like this, but I know Britain used to be where they were really concerned about product placement so that they wouldn't put products in things that you know you couldn't reference a brand or anything and I think Seinfeld I can never say it right uh did did that they kind of like you know they, they brought in really like culturally specific things but also that's why a lot of people who watch Seinfeld who weren't from America who maybe were from other countries or like in Europe they had a really hard time relating to the show and understanding why it was so big because it was very specific to the American culture at that time um and yeah I just think that that's maybe where where it is so original and then Friends even though it was maybe kind of doing the same thing it already been done by the time Friends was doing it if you know what I mean yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, just one last question, just quickly about Seinfeld. Um, you've kind of already answered it, but um, do you think it's more intellectual than Friends? Would you feel like if you said, oh, I like Seinfeld, you'd feel um, oh, not better than people, but you'd feel like, oh, I, I have a better class of um, taste because I, I prefer Seinfeld over Friends. Um, I don't know, because like I say, um, it's difficult because when I watch Seinfeld, Seinfeld uh, now, um, I, uh, I feel like, you know, it's just the same as other things I've been watching. But I did feel that when I watched the first couple of episodes, I sort of got what people meant about maybe it being a bit more highbrow because of... Uh, and I need to double check this, so I'm just going to quickly have a look. Um, yeah, I think that the people in Friends, it's sorry, in Seinfeld, I don't know, I feel like they're a little bit older than the characters are in Friends, which to me kind of makes it a bit more, uh, not necessarily intellectual, but it doesn't feel as what's the word I'm looking for like because they're like these professionals or they're sort of settled in life you have this feeling that there's a stability about Seinfeld as opposed to friends where they're kind of like all like oh figuring out what they want to do yeah see that seems really immature sometimes when like characters like Rachel you know in beginning of friends she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life and she's living off her dad's credit card and there's a little bit of immaturity with friends whereas I think that Seinfeld has this 
air of more maturity which can then make you feel like it is more kind of like highbrow intellectual whatever you want to call it and then um in the end of Seinfeld a lot of the episodes will end or maybe the beginning of them I can't remember might be the cold opening or it might be the end anyway uh, they'll have Seinfeld the character but then kind of also the actor because he's a comedian uh he's doing a stand-up routine uh and his stand-up routines are really quite um really they're observational humor so it's not like really slapstick kind of like what you might expect in like a sitcom humor it's really quite sophisticated humor so I think that ends that that lends an air of like um kind of intellectualism as mm-hmm. opposed to the show is there a laugh track in Seinfeld I can't remember I want to say yes but I might be wrong mm. I suppose though that's the difference is that like Friends is much more and I think people forget it well maybe they don't but like Friends is a coming of age thing like these characters are supposed to have started not really knowing how to navigate life and end and knowing how to whereas maybe Seinfeld doesn't really do that um but yeah just gonna like quickly sort of just look at sitcoms and like the genre itself um before we just sorry just deep to, dive um, into friends interrupt but uh, it does have a does have a laugh track okay um and that's the well, even more of a comparison i suppose um i also point of contention enough itself is laugh tracks <laughs> but yeah we'll just kind of look at like the landscape quickly off like sitcoms and then why kind of it seems like seinfeld and therefore friends were a bit more revolutionary than you might have thought they were especially not now in hindsight, but yeah, just quickly look at that before we deep dive into Friends. So I was going to start um, with looking at the landscape of Britain and then I realised it's almost irrelevant because whether you're looking at Seinfeld or whether you're looking at uh, Friends is like you said, they're American through and through. Um, and I'm not saying that you can't relate because clearly we do relate. And I think that's also another um positive of friends is that it kind of like uh broke that down and it, it was universal in in sense geographically universal you know um but i was just out of curiosity i just wanted to see out of like the span of um friends run its original run like what the kind of um sitcoms were uh in britain and they were it's just so funny because they just they're just they just don't seem that similar because like you know you had like the biggest ones were like Only Fools and Horses and Vicar of Dibley, Royal Family, Father Ted, and then it moved into like the Peep Show, The Office, Gavin and Stacey, sort of like the end mid two thousands. Um, but I suppose like in a way they're all kind of about well, I suppose they're not all, but especially Only Fools and Horses has been one of the biggest ones right that whole time period. Like they are all kind of about family and the breakdown of the nuclear family. Which, in a way, I think is what friends uh, friends is about. But well, I'll I'll go into that. But yeah, not not entirely relevant. But I just thought it's interesting just to see what we kind of had going on when when Friends was um, aired. Um, but yeah, just wanted to look at like sitcoms in general um, and just kind of see why people like like sitcoms and why sitcoms kind of endured even though I would say that they aren't as big now as they used to be it's why maybe we keep coming back to rewatch classic sitcoms um so like you probably knew this but 
the word itself, sitcom, comes from the word situation comedy, because it's just people in certain situations that are funny. Um, and, you know, sitcom, uh, Stephen Wagg sort of said that the sitcoms focus on the very humanity of its characters and stories in a way which laughs at, rather than dwells upon life's vicissitudes I've never heard that word in my life um and it is the sort of like light-hearted people-centered approach which gives the general um broad appeal which brings um an innocent and sort of timeless feel to like these situations so no matter like who's watching it and where we're watching it and where we're watching it what makes a good sitcom is making that relatable because it's something we all probably have gone through or will go through and that's what's funny we can all relate to it um he also says that uh, competing discourses in sitcoms like Friends are maintained by the use of social groups composed of individuals with different personal interests and socio-cultural investments instead of socially determined families uh, locked into predetermined ideological frameworks like, you know, like I was saying, like the nuclear sort of family situation. Um, and though the genre is commercially driven and arguably still mainly middle class, it's clear that both implicitly and explicitly the sitcom has gone, um, has done mon sorry, has done much to challenge and to solve old boundaries by laughing at their sort of very existence. So like I was saying before, they've come quite self-referential. Um, and you can see that even with like shows, both the American and the UK version of The Office have sort of done that. Um, yeah, and um, I'll, I'll go into this book because I've referenced it quite a bit just because there's, it's surprisingly, there's not a lot of um, critical works on Friends. I would say that there should be a lot more, but the best one or the most notorious one is the one by Saul Austerlitz. He done a whole like book on Friends, um, just Friends and just episodes and episode by episodes and stuff like that. So it's good that um about like it's hard to compare it to anything else because there isn't really much else out there so that's why I've sort of like referenced it quite a lot anyway um he said that sitcoms first emerged in the youthful bloom of post-world war ii American optimism and naivety the sitcom has grown in stature developing from an afterthought to an art form because like I was previously saying sitcom and I would say that mm, maybe still seen as quite a lowbrow form of art. Um, it definitely started as that. Um, I don't think that would be winning many awards whenever the Academy Awards started, even though, of course, sitcoms have, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, sitcoms were a distraction, sort of like, especially post-World War II, um, a gentle sort of like lullaby of a kinder, gentler America until suddenly they weren't and then they moved into being quite critical and self-aware again like I was saying um so he sort of says as well that like the story of the sitcom which is quite cool is like a capsule version of the 20th century arts realism giving way to modernism and then giving way to postmodernism. Um, sitcoms were initially a friendly neighbor harmless and inoffensive and amusing gently sort of ribbing at the post-war order traditionalism without ever really disrupting it um sitcoms that sort of when they first sort of came out and i'm really talking about american sitcoms just to make that clear sitcoms like reflected america um but the mirrors they used could wrap and bend reality 
realities into intriguing new patterns, free to invent more individual fantasy, in other words, like unrealistic worlds, you know, based on what's happening in real life, but bent in a way to be a bit more unrealistic, a bit more far-fetched, to be funny. Um, but as long as like there's still that base of realism that we can understand and relate to, then that's what makes them funny. Um, but as they sort of like grew, sitcoms could also be quite politically subversive. And I suppose over the past century or so, we've seen that the sitcom can sort of like burst its boundaries and find humour in the disjunction between its family values and the dysfunctional present. Um, and I think that's where sort of Friends, I think, again, Seinfeld and Friends is a good example of that because Friends doesn't really, I wouldn't say Friends really overtly does that. Seinfeld may do it a bit more. Um, yeah, the sitcom became more than ever about itself, its past traditions and conventions, deeply self-reflexive. Um, so, yeah, like the sitcom, like he sort of like... Uh, Saul Oster sort of says it's like a capsule of the 20th century because it's like both halves of the story is like the establishment of a tradition like middle class values and then it's collapse um, and it's like you have to understand that to understand the sitcom because sitcoms like at the start would have been about like the traditional middle class family and then where the humour comes in later is how dysfunctional that all is and going against that um, and that's where the humour is, because at the end of the day, they have to keep moving with the times and what's actually happening for it to be relatable and for it to be funny. Because if you can't relate to it, you're never, ever going to find it funny. And so this is like a brief overview of like the sort of like landscape of sitcoms and then sort of like look at like where Friends fits into that. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of that. Uh, yeah, um, I agree with you about like um, sitcoms. Kind of the it's weird, funny. I like the sort of comparison you were hinting to toward between like Britain and friend uh, British and American uh, comedy, and how I always feel like British comedy always has a bit more of an edge because, you know, we're famously really good at, like, dry humour or uh, self-deprecating humour or sarcasm, whereas uh, American humour doesn't really get that. But then you've got characters and friends like Chandler, who is, like, so good at sarcasm. Like, he's just known for it. Um, but what I found really funny, just when you were mentioning that, was I was trying to think, like, at around about the 90s, so Friends came out in 94, did you say? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was about the time or so that was kind of well ever since like post-war Britain um, and we've got into like you know more consumerism and stuff we, we've seen this Americanization of like culture just generally in the west and across to like Britain with like rock and roll and then maybe that's gone into like when we got TVs and film and stuff like that and around like mid to late 90s was the time in Britain known as Cool Britannia so that was like we had underground fashion styles we had Britpop like Oasis, Pulp, Blur even like the Spice Girls you know and they were maybe like quite big in the US as well and um, some of them anyway and then in cinema that was where we were getting this sort of trend towards like new wave British cinema 
and it's funny because I was just trying to think like what were like really big films that around about the time that Friends was coming out or maybe being conceived and it was rom-coms by Richard Curtis that were really popular and what I find really funny and I wish I had like more information sort of about maybe this but I tried to look it up and it doesn't really seem that anybody's really written on it from what I can see from a basic like search but it's just quite interesting that in Richard Curtis's films, which were really big in terms and considered like the new wave sort of British cinema at this time, was Sliding Doors, Notting Hill, right? And then Austin Powers, which isn't Richard Curtis. But these films are where you've got it set in Britain or with British characters, but they tend to always have like an American love interest. So in Sliding Doors, you've got uh, Jonah, oh, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. Anyway, it's a British actor, and he's with Gwyneth Paltrow. She's American. Notting Hill, you've got Hugh Grant, and then um, I think it's Julia Roberts. She's obviously American. He's obviously British. Uh, Austin Powers, you have Austin Powers, who is actually an American actor, but he's meant to be British. Um, and it's all about this British invasion, but then you still to do with America. So you can very much see the ties between the two. And it's funny as well how you were saying that at the time of like um, you've got Friends and Seinfeld and all of that going on in America in terms of the comedy scene. In Britain, you're starting from places like uh, really irreverent kind of uh, odd sort of humour from maybe the 80s, like um, the young ones to Blackadder. And then, like you were saying, in the 90s, you're moving to Vicar of Dibley. Vicar of Dibley is obviously Blackadder and Vicar of Dibley are obviously Richard Curtis. He has some input in Blackadder, but he is the writer of Vicar of Dibley. Um, and then he moves from there to, to film and he moves to Four Weddings, if you don't know, Notting Hill, then to Bridget Jones. And then in the 2000s, he moves to Love Actually. And you can see this gradual shift to like rom-com. So you've gone from the really sort of irreverent, sort of weird, kind of very British humour like Blackadder and the earlier ones to this really kind of rom-commy type feel of uh, films, which I think is something that Friends is leaning more towards because Friends is always about a sort of love uh, triangle or, um, you know, like Ross trying to date Rachel or Monica Jandler or whatever. Um, so it's just quite interesting that you are seeing that kind of trend in Britain that you're seeing in America, but in a slightly different way. So I feel like America are showing it more in their TV and maybe in their comedy, whereas Britain is kind of showing it more in their films, but there is this marriage between Britain and America. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, mm, very generally speaking, like I think America's much more subtle with these sorts of things than Britain is. Um, so I feel like even in their sitcoms still not as um overt as Britain like I feel like we're kind of more like we're not afraid to to critique the establishment or traditionalism or something and in America it's all subtle it's like if you're looking at friends like not a great example but even if they are it's very subtle ways that they do it it's not like I don't know it's just like it always stays within a certain boundary um and it's like even when you talk about Seinfeld and Friends and stuff you kind of say that there's certain ways that they were revolutionary but you're kind of like you look at now and obviously it's hard because hindsight so they aren't but you kind of like can't really appreciate it because it's so small the ways in which it would have been like taking jibes here and there at certain things but more or less straying within the boundaries of 
the norm if that makes sense um, but yeah, it's an interesting way how you talk about like Richard Curtis like moving into rom-coms because he probably realised that the appeal of these films is not just you're not going to get that in Britain. You're going to you it's going to be American. It's going to be the rest of the world. And if they're the maybe the things that he would want to say on like the big screen, maybe the same sort of messages, themes, or whatever he explores in his comedies is not going to translate to a wider audience. Best way to do it is rom-com, <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll sort of just go looking into friends now. Um, yeah, kind of like looking at like we've kind of already touched on it, of course, but like why friends of all things really took off and why it spoke to people and what it kind of spoke to them about um, at that sort of time. Um, and just like how sort of like popular like Friends really was. Um, so I'm just going to look at like a few sources and what they sort of say about like Friends sort of popularity. And like I say, um, I'll start off by looking at like Saul Austerlitz's work, um, his book about Friends um, called Still Friends, 25 Years of a TV Show that's Finding Era. So we obviously updated it when the reunion came out. Um, yeah, so Friends... In 1994, there was a review. There was a review, like I previously said, Friends wasn't lauded when it came out at all, um, by Ken Tucker that said it was just another sitcom, because at the time it was like it was just another sitcom about friends in New York. Like, who cares? Um, but oddly enough, it's been consistently rated and considered one of the best TV comedies of all time. It has won Golden Globes. It's like entered popular culture conscience and probably will for a long long time um but the things that made friends sort of stand out was it's sort of multi-camera situation comedy comedic type um maybe as well like you were saying previously the way that it focused not just on one character but on six characters almost with equal billing um you know, like the humour in Friends, that would go on to be like a cornerstone of how you make sitcoms. Um, and yeah, it'd be a strategy that a lot of like TV sitcom writers would use. Um, like Friends has been like one of the most binge watched television comedies ever. Um, yes, yeah, it's got like 12... Oh no, that's the wrong stat. Never mind. Um, but I should have a stat about how many people like watch it, like not just in its original run, but like stream it year on year. But I don't have that, but I should find that. Um but yeah, like just to show like some of the influence of it, like it's become like a cultural touchstone um within the broader sort of cultural media landscape. It's referenced in so many other things, like referenced in sitcoms like Curb Your Enthusiasm, Peep Show, The Office. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, it's referenced in drama series he's like Law and Order, The Handmaid's Tale, Weeds in films like What a Woman Wants, The Terminal. Um, and it's like even in that music video, you know, Jay-Z's music video, Moonlight, that's basically, I know what I know he's critiquing friends, but still, it still shows the cultural impact of friends that that um, music video features and critiques friends. Um, and yeah, like Anne-Marie Todd points out that like Friends 
quickly became more than just a sitcom because like we've already said it was like an explanation and an exploration of what it meant to come to come of age in the 1990s and it would speak to so many people growing up um, out of like broken families and it was like the nuclear family um, and like Matt Hills has argued that like the fandom um, provides like a cultural space for types of knowledge and attachment that other people like might not find elsewhere and that's why they return to friends all the time and that's why it's endured because like it just speaks to so many people and not to be like uh corny but like it's always there for you so like friends won't go anywhere like did like i say the themes are almost um okay there's obviously certain things within friends that are problematic and i'll get into them later but the themes in friends are almost timeless like you will always and forever be able to relate to that um and yet you can just see how much the fandom's grown because like even like like now on social media there is so many like fan accounts on Facebook, on Instagram, on like whatever else like social media you use. There's Reddit's Discuss Friends, like loads of them. And you know, like the program like finished airing like years ago. It like finished in 2004 and we still have it. Like it's insane. Um there's so much merchandise for friends as well um but yes yeah, so i was just like looking at this big ter- the, there's a lot of recent especially in 2021 a lot of recent articles that went back to look at friends because when friends had its 25th anniversary reunion um a lot of people went back to look at friends and why so many people care about a reunion of a tv show that ended years ago um but yeah there was the spectator was sort of saying that friends um although it's like a really simple format and it's a really simple idea it's like embedded within such simplicity is the idea of um the entirety of the human experience you know the joys the sadness the heartache and the tragedy it's all there and like we were saying if you wanted to call the main character out of friends it'd be ross because it's all there in like ross ross goes through all of that and arguably so do all other friends but it's all there in his experiences from season one to ten um and you know like all of the characters embody you know the angsty sort of years that you have between 25 um and what 35 i mean that can't be right (laughs) has to be like what early 20s to late 20s um yeah and you know like the panic and the anxieties and the emotions you go through from those those years um and you know a lot of people like I said before see themselves in the characters and friends it's like it's not just like that these situations that they're in or that the writing's particularly um new and out there and and the situations that they get themselves into like no one else has written about them or seen them before but it's the connection it's the like the emotional connection you have to that group to those characters that makes you always want to come back to friends um and you know if especially like the millennial generation if you grew up in that generation then you know you were with them like every step of the way from like the innocent like pre-digital mid-90s period um to like the sober like mid-naughties area when we're all just like a bit more like 
bruised if you like about life and when reality hits you about what life's actually going to look like and um and you know all of the friends characters go through that and and they have each other and if you don't have anyone you have friends so um yeah it's just like for the characters in friends like love came and went but there was always a space for them in central perk whether they were lovelorn whether they were heartbroken and in turn there's always like room for us to go there and and feel comforted by the fact that like they are going through the same sort of things as us um and yeah like i just think that's that's like the reasons like why like friends has endured and why it was so popular at the time and i mean not just like looking at uh like the sort of emotional side of it like the character driven side of friends but like you can't deny it and i mean i'm probably really biased but like friends is funny like i i find friends funny and friends is problematic and it's got a lot of problems in it which is just like i said i'm gonna go into but i think like genuinely like friends is a funny show and um interesting like in the spectator they said that compared to like a lot of other shows when they done this study it wasn't the spectator i'll need to see who actually did the study but um they were looking at like jokes per minute and it said that friends came in at 6.06 jokes per minute and they were like which is a really big achievement for like a, a show that had like such a high turnover and um, like to, to have that many jokes and to have it well written and to land almost like every time so like I don't know like at the heart of it like friends is like a funny sort of like show um and it was funny because in the spectator the spectator i believe is a british um publication so they were looking at it in terms of um britain and british humor and they said that like british sitcoms often play off like class stereotypes stereotypes because i think more than anything in britain our comedy is rooted in class i don't believe it's so much in america like i was saying i would say that american comedy is pretty much across the board always going to be a middle class comedy like it, it doesn't really go into class um but ours does you know you look at like del boy or or um in only Fills and horses you look at the good life and you look at like barbara good um but they said like the great thing about friends is that like and i would say the gay is a good thing it also can be a bad thing but like nobody really cares about class in friends and and again that's also what makes it so unrealistic um but like nobody cares where chandler went to school or nobody really cares that rachel was posh um they just wanted to reflect our own tragedy like the writers just wanted to reflect our own tragedies and triumphs back of and there's a there's an optimism and a generosity of spirit that we don't really get in britain and that like you were kind of saying before about the comedies that were in britain we didn't really have so maybe as cynical as britain is like that's what we were attracted to and that's also what made me be like specifically britain um uh like uh like friends and and enjoy friends and relate to friends about um and it's just a couple more things i was going to say about um how friends is enjoyed and it's all sort of the same points but it's just different uh resources that have uh talked about friends so the slant in in one of their articles in 2021 which i'll come back to because they really kind of like go into all the problems of friends but they kind of say that friends appeal to gen xers who are tired of the wholesome depictions of nuclear units like i've said um and saw um in this gaggle of like mi misfits a new kind of like kinship 
the characters love each other when they don't hate each other and they're supportive when they aren't being passive aggressive and pernicious so they are they do take a lot of like uh jibs at uh friends because they don't really like friends but i suppose they at the base of it they're kind of like getting to the whole point of like the point of friends is that it depicted um people who maybe were a bit lost and and didn't really know what their place was outside of like uh, the nuclear family unit um and they were like living their best lives and we were living our best lives by watching them live that life that we maybe were having probably not having but probably wanted um and yeah just to quickly rehash those sorts of ideas um the bbc actually did a really good um article of friends and looking at friends and the whole idea of that friends changed our idea of family you know because they said like in the opening episode which premiered like 25 years ago when they wrote this um friends let its audience know exactly what the show was going to be about like you'd said megan as well about like rachel cutting up her credit cards you know in that in that opening episode or the first couple of episodes you know the idea of marriage was abandoned ross Ross is divorced or getting divorced. Rachel literally runs out of her wedding. Parents were completely out of the picture. They're not there. They're not anything to do with them. Um, you know, uh, the people, and you just knew that the people going forward, these characters who they would rely on every week would be each other. They were six clueless 20-somethings muddling their way through relationships, jobs and life. Not sure where they were headed, but not particularly worried about it either, which is probably quite comforting for people who didn't really know how to navigate that kind of like life. Um, and, you know, like in the early 90s, you had sitcoms in America like Roseanne, Full House, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Mad About You, which were still focused on family and married lives. Um, and they mentioned Seinfeld, saying that Seinfeld was still a rarity, that sort of setup, which is why Friends gets compared to Seinfeld, because they probably at that time were the only two shows kind of not fitting into that traditional view of um, family. So there was clearly like an audience for TV reflecting a reality of young people's lives that they spent more and more time with friends rather than with family, and they wanted to do so. Um, Although, and I'm going to get into this as well, uh, there are a lot of elements in Friends which were slightly too optimistic and slightly too fantastical. You know, when you get to the crux of it, they're um, underemployed adults living in ridiculously large apartments in the middle of New York. Um, but the idea of constructing an alternative family from Friends was one that resonated. You know, like there's loads of stories in it. You know, there's like Phoebe's mom's suicide, Joey finding out that his dad cheated, Monica's parents who constantly put her down and only really like Ross, Chandler's parents getting divorced on Thanksgiving when he was like nine. So that's like clearly, and it obviously is for Chandler, like some childhood trauma. Um, you know, there was a lot of storylines that just reinforced the fact that every single one of them did not come from a happy normal family um and it reflected the 90s because in the 90s um divorce rates peaked um you know many of those who entered adulthood in the 90s they came from broken homes and broken families they were holding off getting married um 
And every year on year in the 90s and probably 2000s as well, the average age for getting married kept on creeping up. Um, so, you know, you're growing older, becoming an adult, you have problems with your parents and you look to your friends for support. That's going to be a universal theme. And that's what friends kept tapping into. And that's why it will never, ever go away. Like that will always, always relate to someone. Um you know, for friends, it was like 20-somethings who were living in a, in the 90s, were living in a prolonged state of adolescence, too old to live on their own, well, no, sorry, too old to live with their families, too young to um, have a family of their own. So it was their friends that were filling that gap in real life and on screen. Um, so the idea of friends as the new family wasn't the only way this show challenged domestic norms. Um, I mean, it was obviously one of the main ways, but over the course of like the 10 seasons, you had like storylines that covered, and again, slightly problematic, but you did have storylines that um, covered like same-sex marriage, infertility, adoption, surrogacy, single parenthood, um, grief, all of this sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, Friends kind of tried to tackle all of that, didn't always do it right, because as much as Friends was being progressive in a lot of ways, Friends was very regressive in a lot of ways because I don't think it really knew how to portray these things. It was trying to portray that this is the way life's going and this is a new normal. And there, you know, you will be faced with all of these issues, but I don't think it really knew how to navigate them. So we can go into how Friends tries to navigate them and the problems with Friends, as much as we've looked at like why Friends spoke to a lot of people, we can see, especially with hindsight now, like, um, and all the issues with Friends. So we will be looking at that in part two of this episode and it'll also open with still discussing Friends and how popular Friends was and I'm going to start the second part of this Friends episode by handing over to Megan and just to get your thoughts Megan on what you think the appeal of Friends is and why you really like it and why those people around you either like it or maybe don't like it but yeah just to get your thoughts on what we've discussed so far and just see why you think Friends um, has been so popular and if the reasons that we've discussed um, relate for you. So yeah that's what we're going to do in part two is just relook at that and discuss the problems with Friends. Um, so yeah join us next week for part two of this episode. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast was written and recorded by Megan and Claire and hosted on Anchor. Music was taken from Pixabay 